Good morning all. What a beautiful day. Shall we pray? Father Lord, I thank you this morning. I thank you for how you've led us throughout the week. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the weather. Thank you for the challenges. Thank you, Lord, for you are in our lives. Blessed be your name. Father, this morning condition us to hear your word. Not from me, but from thee, to your people. In the language and accent, they will understand. And blessed be your name. Amen. This, uh, yesterday I was preparing for, to follow the line of uh, the nativity story as uh, Brian introduced last week. But after studying and um, to put on paper, another, another message came to me. But um, since then, I've been kind of wondering why this topic, wisdom, is necessary for the time we are in, which is Christmas. So, in the course of this, let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. And I will read from 22 to 36. Proverbs Chapter 8, from 22 to 36. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his work of old. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth when there were no fountains abounding with with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not met the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the cloud above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits, so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the the foundation of the earth, then I was beside him as as a master craftsman. And I was daily with his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instructions and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life, and obtain favor from the Lord. 
But he who sins against me wrong his own soul. All those who hate me love death. He's talking about wisdom, or rather wisdom speaking about of himself. In the course of this topic, I would want us to look at wisdom as a concept in relation to biblical, uh, biblical principles. And with this in mind, we'll search through the scripture to bring out the dynamics of, the, of wisdom as well as the purposes. We will basically look at the meaning of wisdom, the source of wisdom, and the dynamics of wisdom. And first of all, what is wisdom? The Oxford Dictionary defined wisdom as capacity of judging rightly in matters relating to life and conduct. Soundness of judgment in the choice of means and ends. Charles Spurgeon defined wisdom as the right use of knowledge. And Robert Sutton and Andrew Hagen defined the attitude of wisdom as acting with knowledge while doubting what one knows. Wisdom is the capacity to have foreknowledge of something, to know the consequences, both positive and negative, of all the available causes of action, and to yield or take the options with the most advantage, either for present or future implications. It can as well be described as the quality or state of being wise. Knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action. As example of the three wise men, they have the knowledge of what God's, the, the plan of God. And that's why when Jesus was born, they were able to play their parts. They, we call them the three wise men. They, they were connected and they are in line with the, with the plan of God. So they were able to be where they're supposed to be at the right time. In many cultures, the name for third molars, which are the last seed to grow, is linked to wisdom. It is referred to as wisdom tooth. <clears throat> if you don't have it, don't bother yourself. <laughs> I don't know if I have it, but I lost some tooth anyway. So, the wisdom tooth. <clears throat> but from biblical perspective, wisdom can be defined as discernment of divine purpose of God and applying same in our daily life. Understanding the mind of God and applying it in our life, in our life situations. In 1 Kings chapter 3, 16 
28, it recounts the account of two women living together, I think so, and both of them had babies. I think one died, and it's not now that we have DNA to sort out such um, complex issues. So it came to the attention, to the, the one that is alive, <clears throat> each of them laid claim to it. Now they went to Solomon, King Solomon. And King Solomon, in his wisdom, he looked at it and said, there is no point wasting time here. Bring the baby, let's divide it into two, so that he will be happy and the other one will be happy. So the other one said, okay, that's, that's fine. It's okay for me. The other one said, no, let the child be. When he grow up, he will know his, his, his true mother. And Solomon looked at it and discerned the truth. Why? Because no true mother will allow his child to be divided into two. So prefer, let him live wherever he wants to live or stay with whoever he wants to stay with. But at the end, let, let, let him live. So that is a typical example of wisdom. And why would Solomon have such wisdom? He asked for it. When he was presented with opportunity to ask whatever he wants, he did not go for riches. He did not go for anything, health. He did not talk about his health to give him long life, this and that. He asked God to give him wisdom. So why is this wisdom very, very important? This morning, oh. So back to this, wisdom is simply a divine application of knowledge. Simply put, divine application of knowledge. And where does this wisdom come from? True wisdom comes from above and is a divine attribute of God. You cannot get it from somewhere. It did not originate from here. It originated from above. And it's the character of God. It's the attribute of God. And that's why this passage was saying, before the creation, before God could do anything, wisdom was used. The foundation of this world, the foundation of the universe was laid with wisdom. And that's why in God's purpose there is no mistake. God is God of wisdom. And we that worship him, we that believe in him, must tune and connect to that wisdom. It is only when we are well connected with God, when we are tuned, that we know the mind of God. And that is when wisdom comes. Proverbs chapter 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now for us to understand why fear of God in our heart produces wisdom, we really need to understand what it means to fear the Lord. The Proverbs chapter 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why? 
It's only when we understand the fear, what the fear means, that's when we will understand how it brings wisdom. In the scripture, fear is used to express a faithful or slavish passion. To a believer, the fear of God is a holy reverence of God and his laws, which springs from a just view and real love of divine character of God, leading such individual to hate or shun everything that can offend the living God. This in turn motivates such believer to aim at perfect obedience. What is this saying? It is not fear as per se, like something phobia or whatever. It is like a kind of respect. Not like God's, you are afraid of God, but just kind of reference, I mean, um, uh, respect. And when you have that kind of fear, you will not have the passion to go against God. You will like to do something that will be, that will, you know, that, that, that bring respect and honor to God. You will shun those little things that will lead you to error. In Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah chapter 32, I will read from 39 to 41. It says, Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Where there is fear, there tends to be obedience. And God made it clear in 1 Samuel 15, chapter 22, that he preferred obedience rather than sacrifice. God prefers obedience rather than sacrifice. And according to one commentator, sometimes obedience comes before understanding. And when someone obeys what they know to be true, Understanding usually follows. 
Wisdom begins with reverence for God and fear for him and his words. That's when, where wisdom begins. Where there is no fear of the Lord, there can never be any true wisdom. It can't be possible. The fear of God must have to be there first. The question now is, how is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? In response to, to this proverb, chapter 9-10, that says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Basically, this verse teaches that the fear of God is foundational to wisdom. All other types of learning, no matter the level, your Cambridge degrees and all what, they are worthless compared to the wisdom of God. They are important, but they are worthless compared to the wisdom of God. Many other passages talk about the fear of the Lord. You can see it in Psalm 111 verse 10, Proverb 1-7, Proverb 14-27, and 15-33. And before we can understand how the fear of the Lord leads to wisdom, we need to define what the Bible needs by fear in this context. So in the Bible, the word translates fear even though it can mean several things, it can refer to the terror one feels in a frightening situation. That is fear. Deuteronomy chapter, 20, 20, chapter 2 verse 25. It can mean respect in the way a servant fear his master and serve him faithfully. Joshua chapter 24 verse 14. Fear can also denote the reference or awe a person feel in the presence of greatness. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 5. The fear of the Lord is the combination of all these. Fear of the Lord can be defined as the continual awareness that our loving and heavenly Father is watching and evaluating everything we think, say, and do. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Psalm 139, verse 2. Jeremiah 12, 3. And as Jesus told each of the seven churches in Revelation, chapter 1, verse uh, to 2, I know your work. He knows us, he knows what we think. Everything that concerns us. He sees us. There is no hiding place before God. We are stuck naked before him. He knows us in and out and knows us even more than we know ourselves. Whatever we reason, whatever we would think tomorrow, he knows about it even before then. Why? Because he knows from the beginning, the end from the beginning. And nothing escapes his attention. 
So in order to develop the fear of the Lord, we must recognize God, who he is. We must. We must glimpse with our spirit, the power, the mind, the beauty, and the brilliance of the Lord God Almighty. Revelation 11, 17, and Hosea 12, 5, Isaiah 6, 1 to 5. Those who fear the Lord have continual awareness of him, a deep reverence of him, and sincere commitment to obey him. Those who fear the Lord, they obey him. In Proverbs chapter 1, 7, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This verse gave us some kind of added insight. There is a sharp contrast between the wise life and the foolish life. A wise person fears, reverence, obey the Lord. A fool despises God's instruction and cannot be told what to do. That's the difference between wise and the fool. The wise person is wise because he has started at the starting place. The fool has no foundation on which to build wisdom. Romans chapter 1, 21, 22 speaks of those who neither glorify him as God nor give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish heart were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. This is a description of people who try to obtain wisdom while ignoring God. It cannot be done for the simple reason that God is the source of wisdom. And one commentator put it this way. <clears throat> The link between the fear of God and wisdom means we cannot possess wisdom if we create God in our own image. Too many people want to tame God into a non-threatening nobody. But if we redefine the Lord as a God that makes us feel comfortable, a permissible body, who exists simply to bless us and give us what we want. We will not fear him in any way he deserves to be feared. The Lord God Almighty is far greater than that, and the fear of the Lord begins when we see him in his majesty and power. Revelation chapter 4, 11. Job chapter 4, 20, uh, 42, 1 and 2. The Lord shows Job and us a glimpse of his power when he described his absolute sovereignty over everything. When the reality of God's true nature has caused us to fall down in worship, 
we are then in the right position to gain wisdom. Wisdom is merely, is merely seeing life from God's perspective and responding accordingly. Wisdom is a priority and we are told to seek it above everything else. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13, 16, 16. And proverb is known as the wisdom book. And the entire second chapter gives of detailed explanation of the value of gaining wisdom. Until our hearts are in a right relationship with God, we are unable to have the wisdom that comes from above. James chapter 3, verse 17. Without the fear of the Lord, we may gain knowledge of earthly things and make something practical choice for this life, but we are missing the one ingredient that defines a wise person. Psalm 41, verse 1, Exodus 20, Jeremiah 25, and Matthew 22, verse 37. In a parable of the rich farmer, the rich man had a wise and practical plan for his, pro for his profits. But God said to him, you fool, because the farmer's plan were made with no thought of God and eternity. You can find that in Luke chapter 12, 16 to 21. Without the fear of the Lord, we make final decisions based on our faulty and limited human understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, 6. When we incorporate the fear of the Lord into every moment of our lives, we make decisions based upon his approval, then we live with the knowledge that God himself, the creator of heaven and universe, is intimately involved in our every move. He sees, he knows, he evaluates all our life's choices and will answer to them, to him. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 4. So our respect for God's majesty causes us to honor him. Our gratitude for his mercy causes us to serve, to serve him well. And the understanding that our God of love is also a God of wrath inspire enough fear to help us stay away from evil. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and Proverbs 8 to 10. Sin is foolishness. Righteousness is wise. When we live righteously, we are on the path of wisdom, and everyone in our lives benefits. Why would those close to us or benefit? Because we will make sound judgments. We will take right actions. We will not devise evil. 
because we fear the Lord and the wisdom of God is in us. So we look at the dynamics of wisdom. Go with me to the book of James. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 verse 17. 17 says, But when the wisdom that is from above is first, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Worldly wisdom, as one commentator put it, seems to be a cross between common sense and the past experience of success. However, it is deep in self-interest. It provides a way of using knowledge for selfish gain rather than service. It has no eternal value. And First Corinthians chapter 3, 8, 18, 19 says, Do not deceive yourself. If any of you think you are wise by the standard of this age, you should become fool so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. No matter how wise you are, if it's not from the Lord, it's foolishness. And when you put it into practicality, you will understand this. God's wisdom is very different. And because it comes from his heart, it radiates his characteristics, the first of which is purity. Although human nature is full of mixed motives, Jesus was consistent in doing his Father's will. Although he spent time with the sinners and social outcasts, yet there was no hint of pollution that stained his character. God wants Christians to desire to be like Jesus and work it out in practice. James gave us the catalogs of qualities to be found in godly wisdom. It is both a checklist so that we can monitor our spiritual progress and the shadow for further spiritual development. God's wisdom brings a cascade of righteousness, godly purity of heart, desired peace and not antagonism, establishes life pattern of considering others better than oneself. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, being willing to submit to them, as in Ephesians 5, 21. When they do wrong, we are merciful. Luke chapter 6, 36. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. And we allow the Holy Spirit to mold us into God's character. Galatians chapter 5, 22, 23. Loving all without partiality. James chapter 2, verse 1. And this morning you may be wondering why we are talking about wisdom instead of the birth of Christ. Like I said at the beginning, I don't know. I had wanted to follow in the line of nativity, but story, but this one came in. The answer is we need wisdom to discern the time and season we are in. Christmas means different things to different people. To unbelievers, it is a time of do or die affair. A period of social extravaganza, a period of hyper-commercial drive, a period of economic or financial suicide. And so many of us are already deep down in it. Emptying our bank accounts just for that period. And at the end of that, we, we go back to square zero. As for believers, it is a period of joy and hope for salvation. It is a period of advancement of Christ's kingdom. Like... Our brother Brian said, it is a period of launching out into the deep. That is the period of, that's what Christmas, what it is for us as Christians. As the body of Christ, it is a period we must be willing to leave our comfort zone to fulfill God's divine plan for our respective families, communities, and nation of the earth. It is also a period of sober reflections on our individual work with the Lord. The other day I went to, is it Penis, to buy a um, Christmas jumper for the lads because the, the school requested for one. And I look at the ones they have, they were, especially Joe, he has holes already. So I went there. So on the children's section, I went there to look at, you know, to make some choices. There were many designs, but I could not find one with the word Christmas. They were all Santa, they were all with every other thing, but Christmas was not written. I was like, what is going on? You, you see, so many people use the season to advance their own agenda. Well, to cut the whole story short, 
I went out. I went to another shop and got what I want. Why am I bringing this? Christmas is very, very important to Christians, to believers. But the unbelievers are taking it to a different level. And we need to be wise not to follow the same. Father, Lord, I thank you for how you've led us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything. Yes, we are expecting the birth of Christ. Lord, it is a a trying period. It is challenging, but it will not change your plan for us. We pray, O Lord, that you continue to guide us, to lead us, and to direct us. Give us wisdom and draw us closer to thee. As we are preparing for Christmas, we pray, O Lord, that your spirit will fill us and will connect to that divine wisdom that brings the fear of you and that will lead us to be those people that hear your words and act accordingly. Blessed be your name. Amen.